and welcome to Pen to Print, Insider Tips with Creative Media Agency, the podcast where we unravel a few of the mysteries of publishing. Whether you're a new author looking to break into the industry or a seasoned professional seeking deeper insight into the community, we're here to bring you advice, information, and just enough insight to help. Welcome back to another episode of Pen to Print. I'm Megan, and joining me today are Haley, Paige, and Shannon. How are y'all doing? Wonderful, Good. Megan. Yeah, doing great. Thanks. Yeah, thank you oh. for asking. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. So today's episode, we're really going to dive into the submission process. So once you sign with an agent and you're work through some edits, you're going to start sending your manuscript out on submission to editors. And we're going to tackle all the aspects of that. So we've pulled together a, some commonly asked questions and some questions that authors have about the submission process. And so we're going to go through those for you all. So first, Haley, could you tackle the pitch package? So do, does the author and the agent create that for the publishing house or is the agent tackling that alone? Sure. So that's a great question. Um, so this is the point at which, you know, the manuscript has been edited to a point where both the agent and the author are happy with the final product. We're ready to send it out into the world. And the rest of the work at this point normally falls on the agent. So as we're editing and as we're, you know, sort of diving into the heart of your story, making it all sound as good as it possibly can be, usually in the background, your agent will either be working on or seriously thinking about what it's going to look like to actually pitch that to age, to editors. And so one of the things I know I do is jot down just like a list of notes, the things that stand out to me about the characters and the plot and the big themes. And so as we're starting to finalize those edits, I'm the one who's working on what we call a pitch letter, which is that cover letter, very similar to a query that I'm going to send out to editors once I found the right editors for your book. And so that piece of it falls to me. I'm trying to write, you know, just like you did when you queried me, you tried to make your book sound as compelling and interesting interesting as possible, keep it short and sweet, really, you know, dig deep into why this book matters. And so I'm doing all of that in the pitch letter. And um, that is the first and probably biggest piece of the submission package, um, that and your manuscript. And then other than that, it's research trying to decide which publishing houses, imprints, and editors are going to be the best fit for you and what you've written. And that research is really why you want a literary agent on your side. They know who those people are. They know what those imprints publish. Um, they might have some editorial connections themselves. And so that is all coming into play as we research who we want to send this to. And I think the biggest thing that authors may not realize when they're first getting into the industry is that each of those imprints, typically an author and agent can only submit that one manuscript to one editor at that imprint. And so if I wanted to submit something to Viking, I have to find the editor that I think is absolutely the very best choice 
for that manuscript, the person who has made it clear that this is the type of work they publish, these are the themes they're looking for, these are the characters that intrigue them, and trying to hit as many notes on their wish list as possible to give your book the best chance with that imprint. So that's, I think, the real value of your literary agent, not just that publishing champion and that editorial eye, but that research arm where we're going out and really trying to find the person who is going to absolutely fall in love with your book. And so that's what we're... Oh, yeah. No, I was just going to jump in. That was great, Haley. I think you're absolutely right uh, on every aspect of what you just said. I was going to back up a little bit and mention that pitch letter that is just so vital. And I think authors feel this when they are trying to craft their query letter. We feel that same level of importance when we're trying to craft our pitch letter. We're trying to grab that editor's attention, hook them maybe with the first sentence or two, um, be able to succinctly talk about the story. And then, and this is where the author can help the process in that in that um, paragraph about the author, we're trying to make sure that we have as much information from the author as possible that'll help sell that author to them. Any awards they have, any MFAs. We've talked about this previously on uh, query letters, but we use that information. Again, the nonfiction project is a little bit different than the fiction project because it's all in the pitch. We are submitting for nonfiction, the nonfiction book proposal, as well as some sample chapters. So the meat of the project is often in that pitch. We are highlighting the key points of why the publisher should jump on this and take it to Ed Board or to buy it. Um, I know agents who spend a lot of time, you know, days crafting the perfect pitch, particularly for nonfiction, to make sure that it really sells it. And I've seen where editors have taken that pitch letter almost word for word and used it either to pitch the editorial team or in the publisher's catalog. Once it's sold, you turn the page, you're looking at their sell sheet in the catalog, and it's exactly what you've written as your pitch. You're like, oh, I kind of did the work for them. It was that good, right? So agents really struggle over that pitch letter as much as authors have struggled over that query letter. And um, we don't take it lightly. And that first part to us is really important. Um, and I think what Haley said to the second part about finding that perfect partner is also valid. But I want to throw it to you, Shannon, as well, because I know you do a lot of digging as well to find the perfect um, editor for every project, right? Absolutely. That That is a time-consuming process if, if you, uh, especially if, if you're looking for a specific type, if you've got a specific type of book that may be a little bit more of a difficult sell. So really honing in and doing your research on those editors and figuring out who is the most likely best, you know, most likely the best fit for what you're trying to sell. Um but I spent a great deal of time looking through my my little mental Rolodex and, and doing some research online about various people that I might have worked with before or some that I may not have worked with before and, and just figuring out does their list and what they acquire work best for this book. Sometimes it this one may look 
just right and they're not. This one over here might be better. So just kind of really honing in on their lists and what they're looking for. Maybe looking at some of the PM, you know, deals or publishers marketplace deals that they've made recently uh, to see if they are buying in that uh, certain area that I'm trying to sell. Um, yeah. And I'm going to jump in a little bit here because for someone who's had a lot of experience in the industry, um, our ability to really make connections with editors has changed over the past three years. Uh, when I first jumped into agenting, I took a class down at NYU called Lunching for a Living, The Role of the Literary Agent in Book Publishing which was a fun title, of course. <laughs> but our role was very social. We were meeting editors at lunches, coffees, cocktail parties, etc. And it was very New York focused. And the world has changed in the past couple of years. And with all of us being remote, um, the ability to sit down with an editor over a cappuccino at a sidewalk cafe in Manhattan um, isn't happening the way it used to. That is how agents made relationships with editors, with those one-on-one -on -one in person. And so now we've all pivoted to the phone conversation or the Zoom meetings where the agents are trying to get in front of, or in fact, the editors are reaching out to us saying, hey, I want to get to know you. I like what you have on your list. So that we're developing our relationships um, this way. It's been a slower process to build for everyone, for those new editors who are coming in and learning the process the past couple of years, um, and for agents as well as we go through and have editors maybe cycle out or as we take on projects maybe that are new to us, we're having to rediscover editors in a different way. Um, but it is that Rolodex and those relationships that we're developing. And we're always trying to find different ways to make connections with editors. Um, at CMA, we have a couple of agent groups that we belong to and we've been able to do meetings through those agent groups as well as individually, but making that connection, getting that personal relationship, learning how to develop it and being able to, you know, throughout the past couple of years adapt to continuing to further those relationships is really what uh, all agents strive to do and do successfully. Wonderfully said. And let me add one thing to that. Um, I think that one of the things that we do very well here at CMA is our collaboration. I think we've mentioned that in prior episodes, but that collaboration enables us to, you know, say, Hey, you know, do you, do you, Haley, or do you, Paige, know someone who, you know, might be a perfect fit for XYZ book about this? And we're able to kind of give each other different contacts that we may not have thought of. So working together in that way uh, helps a great deal. And then, of course, anytime I receive a rejection from an editor, I kind of use that as an opportunity to build a relationship where I reach back out to them and thank them, of course, profusely for taking time to read, you know, the submission that I sent to them, but also asking, what are you truly looking for right now? Can we have a quick call? Can we discuss? And then the next time I'm able to submit to that person, I'm able to have a little bit more of that starting off point relationship. Hey, remember me? You know, that sort of thing. 
I think that's very helpful. Well stated. So how many editors do agents typically submit projects to? And can an author ever have a hand in the editors that are chosen? Let me jump in to the question about whether the author can have a hand. That's one of the things that we ask authors when we're preparing the submission packet with them. Through your reading, have you come across any editors that you think might be appropriate for this? Or have you attended conferences and you've met one-on-one with a particular editor? Or have your writing colleagues mentioned that a particular editor um, would be your ideal editor? Because a lot of our authors are already informed. They've been immersing themselves in the industry and reading up and developing their own body of knowledge. So we always take that information. However, they may not know the behind the scenes <laughs> uh, workings of what's going on with that particular imprint or with that particular editor. So they may say, I'd love to work with X editor because they bought, you know, C. Jane Run, but we may know that that editor has now moved into a different position where they're no longer acquiring books like this, or they're no longer in an acquisition role, whatever the case may be. So we always ask for input but then we're really the ones with boots on the ground who know the industry better. So we do take that input. Um, I agree with that. I have, uh, for example, a client off the top of my head that she knows everything that's going on everywhere. She reads everything. She follows tweets from pretty much everyone. And every now and then she'll send me uh, an email and say, Hey, have you thought about this editor? Because I just saw this tweet where they said that they wanted X, Y, Z. And I I love that she does that. And I actually really look at that, you know, to make sure, would this be a fit? And uh, as Paige suggested, sometimes, you know, they, uh, the client though may not know the, the nuances of the various imprints and whether that person would truly be a fit. So if they're adult and you're trying to pitch a YA project, they may just see the editor and then, and and think they asked for this, but there's a difference because they only take adult and your YA. So, I mean, definitely I always like to listen to what they come up with because some of the time they'll find a good one and you go and you look and you're like, Hey, yeah, that's, that is a good one. So. Yeah. I have an author who's the exact same way. She is so prolific on social media. She sends me tweets all the time where she's like, Hey, did you see this editor wanted this? And I'm like, no, I absolutely didn't see that. So I definitely have a file for all of those. (laughs) That's exactly how my (laughs) client is. That's so funny. And then when it comes to, I know the other part of the question was how many editors do agents typically submit to? And I do think that answer varies a little bit based on the project, the author, the agent. So There might be, you know, an editorial contact that we have, and we know that this is something they're really looking for. The book that we have fits perfectly with their wish list. We've talked to them about it before. We have some sort of connection. And so in that case, there may be something where we say, hey, I'm going to send it to this editor exclusively first and give them a deadline and hope to hear back from them before we send it out to anybody else and see what they think. So in that case, you know, it might be one. More often, in my case, I'm sending sort of in rounds, just like we talked about with query letters, where I'm trying to get, you know, a few different eyes on it. So 
maybe that first round is five, eight, 10 editors at a bunch of different imprints. And as feedback starts to trickle in, we sort of adjust where we might want to send it next if we need to send it next at all and sort of do a round two. I'm kind of, I'm somewhat similar to you. Um, I usually do, depending upon the project, between maybe five to seven editors. And I do love to see those uh, responses come back in. If they are rejections, then I want to see if they're, if, if they were sent any, any form of, for, of uh, feedback at all then I would like to be able to look and see if there are commonalities between the various responses on, you know, that feedback. So that way I can share it with the author before we go out on a second submission. Mm -hmm. Is it typical to receive any kind of like constructive feedback from a submission? In my personal experience, I very rarely receive any concrete feedback. Generally, it's not a fit for my list is the, is the common response that I receive. However, there are some moments in time when I might receive uh, one or two or three that will give me a little snippet of why this did not work for them. And one of those things may be, uh, this felt a little too YA for me if you're trying to pitch it as adult. Or, gosh, I just couldn't quite get into these characters. Or the pacing was off for me. And those, you know, quick little one-liners can sometimes be enough to then go back and look at all the rejections and say, hey, there's a common theme here between the rejections. And the author and I may want to take a look at, you know, maybe the first 50 pages and, and see what where is the pacing going wrong, for example. We always love, rejections. yeah, we love to get editorial feedback when we do submit to editors. And I'm sure every agent will say that because it really does help us um, understand the issues that a particular editor may have with the material. It could be everything from we're overbought in this particular area to I found the characters unsympathetic to for nonfiction, maybe the author's platform isn't large enough. Um, so there are a number of, there are many different reasons why there could be a pass, but any feedback we get um, is really helpful for us to explain it to the author, but also maybe realign our goal or reassess the material. And it really depends on that feedback of how busy the editor is at the time. I know that with just our own um, level of submissions of what we get that's coming in, it would be impossible for us to even probably add a couple of lines to every single query and uh, manuscript that comes across our desk. We do our best to give maybe a snippet for projects that we have requested as discussed in previous um, podcasts, but I can only imagine on the editor side, um, they have those same constraints as well. So we are appreciative of whatever we get. And we just try and take that feedback and reassess the material with, with what's stated. And we don't always agree. Um, some editor may state they didn't like a character or a particular plot or whatever. Um, and we get uh, contradictory feedback from another editor who may say, I loved the character, I love the plot, but I'm just overbought or whatever it may be. This is a very subjective business. And that's what can make it so challenging, where 
two people may dislike it and two people may like it. Um, and it kind of is what makes the world go round. It's so <laughs> funny that you said that because it, it kind of allows the authors listening to understand that um, the same kind of frustration that they often experience with query letters where they will submit something and, and maybe receive a couple of rejections. And one of those rejections will say, I loved your character. And another one will say, I just couldn't get into your character. And I've, I've heard authors, you know, say, what do I do in that situation? You know, and we do experience that same issue. So that kind of allows us to have a commonality there where we can understand each other. So if you do receive that editorial feedback, are, is, is an author able to revise their manuscript and resubmit it to that editor? Usually, no. So unless we are invited to revise the material and resubmit, um, we just take that feedback for what it is and move on. This is why it's so vital that we send out the project in its best possible form, mm -hmm. as good as we can possibly make it. Um, because rarely, rarely do we have the author revise and resubmit. And that even then, we probably would ask permission, hey, the author has revised this. Uh, I, I felt like we came close. Would you be willing to take another look? But often, that editor is so swamped and maybe even a little prejudiced against it because they've already seen it once. Maybe in the back of their mind, they're thinking, well, why didn't you tighten it up the first time? Um, that it's for me, and I think for most of us, it's it's rare that we will resubmit unless specifically invited. They have enough new material coming in. One thing I do like, though, is that if we do receive some good feedback on, say, first round, and the author and I talk about it and realize, hey, you know, there may be something to this, they can revise it. And, and then when we send out second round, those newer, fresher editors will get to see the fixed material, let's say. Haley, would you mind discussing what goes into that editorial work with the agent before sending it out on submission and how you determine when a piece is ready for submission? Sure. So I do think when a piece is ready for submission is, again, just like everything in publishing, pretty subjective. Um, it is going to be really up to that author and agent both to say, I think we fixed the things that we thought were issues and we agree with the direction we've gone in. We think things are tightened up, you know, and all of those concerns were addressed in a way that made both parties happy. So that's kind of the end result. And I think it's really fun because you are starting with a book you already love and you're really excited to put out there. And so the process of, making that feel like a fully formed, ready to go book is really a fun one for me, at least. So that is a process that usually starts, as we discussed, in that original call about an offer. So that might not be a place to dive deep into all of the possible revisions and how to fix them. But it is definitely a place for an agent to say, here are a couple of things that I noticed that, you know, if you're open to revisions is something that I think we're going to dive a little deeper into, take a closer look at, here are some fixes and changes and revision suggestions. And that's also a place for an author to say, yeah, here's a part where I either really don't want anything to change, here's why that matters, or I would be 
you know, totally happy to fix this part. I've never been completely happy with the way this worked or whatever else. So just a place to sort of initially discuss, hey, revisions are probably going to happen. And so it's after that that we dig a little deeper. After that offer is signed or that retainer is signed and it's time to actually dive into edits, that's when at CMA, at least, we will do that editorial letter where we actually sort of, you know, step by step say, okay, here are the really big things that I noticed. Here is why I think they need to change to benefit the story. And here are some ways I think that that can happen. And so it really becomes this back and forth between the agent and the author about, you know, maybe the author says, I agree that this part needs to be changed. I don't love that suggestion for changing it. How about this? And so we're just trying to get to that end goal where we're both saying, okay, all the problems that we thought we had are fixed. Maybe the word count is up or down if that was a problem. Maybe this character makes more sense now or this plotline all got tied up. And so just doing really those big picture developmental edits so that when an editor sees it, it reads like a polished, like completely thought through like fully formed manuscript, they can really see it becoming a book. In terms of how long it actually takes to get through that process, it really depends upon the book. Um, I think we we talked previously about how very rarely there may be some cases where very little or to no editing might need to be done. Uh, That's very rare in my view. Um, But there may be some where a lot more editing needs to be completed. For example, let me just give you an example. Um, There have been one or two projects I've taken on that required a lot of editing, but I loved the book so much that I was willing to take that time. So I, you know, the process of getting through the editing with the author on a book like that might take a little bit longer than someone who has spent, you know, quite a bit of time already polishing it and getting it to that point of near perfection that they could possibly get it to. So it really does depend upon the book. Do you agree, Haley, Paige? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So once you submit the manuscript, is there a general length of time an author can expect to wait before hearing back from the editor? I would say um, I've had everything from 24 hours after submission to, believe it or not, two years, which is quite the, uh, quite the, uh, long, um, long time. Um, it's great when you get interest right away. Uh, that's always exciting. Um, but I've also sold books, believe it or not, well, sold a book, uh, two years post submission where I had moved on, the author had moved on, we'd given up, uh, we're working on something completely different. And then the editor reached out, um, I don't know why it took so long to get to that uh, particular project, but the editor did. Um, I think the editor had said that he was just holding on to it because they were overbought, um, but didn't communicate that to me. And um, once there was an opening, he called up and, and made an offer. So that was exciting, a little bit out of the blue. Generally, though, um, it varies for fiction and, and nonfiction, and I'm sure children's books versus adults, mm-hmm. but um, anywhere from a couple of weeks, uh, and lately it's been slowed down to sometimes a, a couple of months. But generally, we start circling back after about two to three weeks to find out 
um, to make sure that the editors received it, they have any questions, and then we'll follow up a couple of times. Um, clearly, we love to follow up if there's interest from another editor, or if an author has something new, some new information that we need to share with the editor. Perhaps they've just won an award. Perhaps um, they've just appeared on television. There are any number of reasons uh, that we could use as a reach out. And we welcome the author communicating those reasons with us. Um, if something's happening that could be beneficial during the submission process, even if the project's already been submitted, let us know. That's really helpful for us to have in our, our toolkit there. Definitely. I would say for me, I've actually noticed that it's to get a firm answer, I've gotten closer to maybe three or four months from editors. And it pages right. It totally depends on the editor and the type of book. I've gotten same day responses about picture books before. But, you know, through all of that nudging and through those updates, it still sometimes takes a few months. And I think that that is partly a consequence of the pandemic, just like it's taking agents longer to respond to queries than it may have used to. And the volume, because everything is digital now, I feel like editors are experiencing the same thing. And I do think we've touched on that. There is a little bit of, you know, just kind of this overwhelm in some cases. And so they're getting more projects. And so it's taking them longer, especially if they work through them as they come in to get around to the one that you sent. I'm glad you brought that up because I, I do believe that that had a very big impact on response time um, because I definitely can see a difference um, emerging now uh, in response time versus during the height of the pandemic and on up to just maybe the last six months or so. I believe that they are getting a little bit faster than they had been. So that is a good thing and hopefully we'll continue. But uh, yeah, my response times have been across the board. So what advice would you have for authors when their book goes on submission and when they're just waiting to hear back from those editors? My advice is a keep writing, uh, send me anything new and let's, you know, let's start working on that. Um, and then B is just know in advance that, you know, we, it was sort of a hurry up and wait process. So mm -hmm. we're at the wait process. Don't let it discourage you, you know, keep positive. Yeah, I tend to say something exactly like that when I send that email to my authors, letting them know we're on submission, saying like, okay, you know, we did all this great work. I'm so excited that it's out in the world. Just know that, you know, we did do all of that and we wanted to get it done and get it out to editors. And now is the time where we just sort of sit back and wait. And so it is a great time to talk next books, next projects, but it is a lot about patience and kind of managing your expectations for how quickly that turnaround might come. And I know it can be so hard for an author. I'm very difficult to do that waiting. Um, but, you know, it is for us as well. And uh, all we can do is just try to maintain that positive outlook. And we as agents can do, you know, nudges here and there with the editors. And, um, but otherwise, you, we just have to wait and then keep looking toward the future. Um, working on that next book, because as Paige said earlier, you know, she had that one that she sold after two years that they had already moved on. 
they had already started working on something else. And then of course it came back and that, uh, first one sold. Sometimes the first one doesn't sell. So having that second one ready to go is very important and vital. The other thing I want to bring up is also for the nonfiction author. Uh, the submission process is a time to, I think I've said this previously, is to really make sure that they're getting their name and their brand out there and make sure their platform is continuing to build. Because for the nonfiction project, platform is so key. And as visible the author can be as possible is really key. Um, so I would encourage the nonfiction author, if they're on TikTok, YouTube, blogging, um, making appearances, booking those uh, speaking engagements, just to be completely active so that if we end up on a call with an editor, if there, an editor happens to see something or decides to check them out when they're reading the submission, they're, they're seeing that there's a lot of activity still happening. And that is an important point. Um, these editors will go out and hunt up your social medias and take a look at what, what you post and how many followers you have. Definitely, I've, I've seen that happen. So are there any common mistakes that authors make during the submission process? So I think the only one that I see most of the time is, again, authors who are newer to the industry, who this is maybe the first book that they've had go out to editors. And when it comes to expectation, sometimes the book they queried you and the book that you offered on is not their first book. They have plenty of others in the arsenal, other things they've finished, maybe even queried. And there is sometimes an a hope or an expectation that those books can also go out. And so I would say that one of the mistakes is wanting to send out too many books at the same time, especially books that are of the same genre or age group that might compete with each other. And just sort of being like, okay, what we what we really want is to try to get feedback on this one. And if we decide to stop submitting that at some point, absolutely. Let's move on to the other things you've written. Let's make sure those are polished up as well. But we don't want to be sending out things that especially might be seen by the same imprints and houses and compete with one another, not only on submission, but eventually upon publication. Um, there's That's why publishing houses usually have written into a contract that they have an option on your next work. Um, they don't necessarily want you going out and having a work of yours competing with other sales. And so it can be difficult, just like Shannon said, it is a long process. It's a lot of waiting. It's difficult to wait that long, but we really want to focus on one project at a time. So I think um, a mistake might be having unrealistic expectations, just like what Haley had said. Um, and our job as an agent is to manage those expectations up front. And sometimes it's something that an author doesn't want to hear. What do you mean you can't go out with my three books? Mm -hmm. um, and the fact that we have to tell you, no, this is not how it works. We're experienced professionals. This is our industry. Let me tell you how this should work and how this takes place. And we can even give you the why. This is why mm -hmm. it works this way. Um, so the more an author can be informed of the industry that they want to get into, the better. 
And so I always encourage the authors to read up, follow some of the industry trade news, et cetera, to make sure that they know, as I've mentioned before, the rhythm of the industry, the the um, reasoning behind why certain things are done. Um, because managing expectations, I feel, is uh, a big part of our job. So if an agent sends out a manuscript on submission and it's not purchased by an editor, will that agent drop the author? I don't work that way. Um, and I think most of us don't work that way. When we here at CMA take on an author, we don't, as I've mentioned before, look at them as just that one book product. We really try and look at their career and their potential body of work. So as we've mentioned in a previous podcast, when we're signing them on, I often ask, okay, we're working on this project. What else do you have in the pipeline? Where do you want to see yourself in three to five, even eight years? And so if that particular project dies, I want to know, okay, what do you have next? What's next in the lineup? How far along are you? What are you thinking? And I plan to continue to work with that author. Through the course of the submission, um, the author has to have confidence in me as well. You know, did Paige send it to the right editors? Does she know the right people? Uh, was I happy with the way she handled it? And they may be making an evaluation on my skill set as well. Um, hopefully not. Hopefully we realize that we don't always sell that very first book that we handle. We'd like to, but it does happen. And often we may hit our stride with that second book that we submit um, where the author has a better handle on it. Maybe their craft is improved. Maybe we were deciding between two different editors within an imprint or two different imprints within a bigger umbrella. And we finally hit it right. Maybe it's just timing. But we, or I, for the most part, tend to look at this as a long-term relationship. The only time I really say, hey, this may not work, one, if it's a nonfiction project, let's say it's a memoir, and that was it, and that's your shot, right? Um, or if during the process, I feel like as much as the author thinks they want to be uh, to work in this particular genre and this type of book, maybe we're at cross purposes. Maybe that's not what they really want. So we could do an evaluation, but generally when I take someone on, um, I have a long-term view of their career and I don't drop them just because that first book doesn't sell. Haley and Shannon, do you want to jump in? Sure. Um, I agree with that hundred percent. I think that that's one of the reasons why, as we discussed earlier, that, you know, when you're on, going out on submission, be prepared to start writing that next book if you haven't already. And if you have, let's be working on it. Let's be um, begin to do the editorial process on it and get it ready to go. That way, if the submission of that first book dies, then we're ready to get going and, and, and have a new one to go out on submission immediately. Can I insert something though? The one Absolutely. thing that I do want to, to state is I, I'm hesitant to encourage an author to start working on perhaps a second book in a series, assuming that we're going out on the first book of the series and ah. it will sell. So I throw up a red flag because if you're working on the second book of the series, be careful. If that first book doesn't sell, can that second book become 
that first book? Can that second book be a standalone project? If you spend a lot of time and energy with this potential series that you have and you're unable to sell the first book, what are you going to do next? Maybe we need to pivot entirely from that whole series concept and do something new. And an author needs to be open to that. I'm, I've been frustrated previously um, in the past when I do have authors that are married to the series and that's all they want to do. And if it doesn't sell, then that they're not, they can't pivot and think uh, about starting with a fresh idea. And that's, again, one of those conversations we have at the beginning of the process of what if the series doesn't sell? What do you want to do next? Where do you see yourself going? So I've usually, um, through experience, uh, I'm able to nip that in the bud. Um, but when Shannon was saying that we encourage someone to write on that second book, um, the only caveat is if it's a series, be careful yes. because if we don't sell it, that, that could be problematic. Agree. Agreed with that. Yes. So it sounds like in a lot of ways, the submission process is very similar to the querying process. You're going to probably receive some rejections and you're also going to want to keep working on your writing and working on that next book and just pushing through those hard rejections until something is picked up. Except in the submission process, you do have that uh, that agent there who's championing you and who has a lot of great inside knowledge about the industry. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. All right. So now we're going to jump into the books we're reading this week. Haley, do you want to go first? Sure. So the one that I finished most recently is called The River Has Teeth by Erica Waters. And that just sounds scary. Oh my gosh, it's so good. <laughs> she writes YA horror, and I've read two of her three so far. And the way that she writes atmosphere for those horror books is like unmatched. It is so oh, good. I love that. I love yeah. atmosphere horror. They are, yeah, they're perfect. They're so the characters are always good, the relationships are always good, but that really haunting sort of writing style that she has makes them like perfect. That's great. I have um, my K-drama, <laughs> continuation of my K-drama interest. I read some independent books, um, Falling for Korea by Piper Jean, um, which was terrific, and Soul Searching by Samantha Ann. And at the end of every chapter with the Samantha Ann books, she's trying to teach you Korean by inserting some of the words and symbols into the uh, manuscript. And that was really interesting. I'm starting Olivia Dade's All the Feels. Uh, and I'm also starting Octavia Butler's Kindred. So those oh. are on my to be red pile that I'm just about to crack open. How about you, Shannon? Um, I am actually beginning to reread uh, Rochelle Mead's Vampire Academy series because the series uh, TV series is out now and I'm enjoying it so much that it made me nostalgic and I had to go back and start rereading those books. Yes. And they're so good. They're so good. They're so good. They're one of the first series that actually made me fall in love with YA just as a reader. So yeah, very nostalgic. <laughs> Great. Those all sound so wonderful. Every time we talk about books, my TBR pile grows. <laughs> <laughs> no so, kidding. 
<laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Megan. Thank you, Megan. Thanks. Thanks for joining us today on Pen to Print, Insider Tips with Creative Media Agency. To learn more about Creative Media Agency, our team, and our agenting mission, visit us at cmalit.com. Have a question we haven't covered in our conversations? Email us at assistant at cmalit.com, and you may hear the answer featured on the show. And don't forget to take a look at our show notes for more information and resources. Until next time, we hope you feel inspired to take your story from pen all the way to print.